Good afternoon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the first meeting of our uh, uh, new term, Hillary term. Um, if you uh, may recall, uh, uh, earlier this year we had a lecture on uh, I Iran and Israel, and the promise was that we also will cover the, the third uh, uh, side of the triangle of the Iranian-Palestinian relationship, and today we are... Uh, happily introducing, I'm happy, I'm very happy and delighted to introduce the speaker, uh, Dr. Sayed Ali Alavi, uh, who wrote uh, the book uh, 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 which is now projected, Iran and Palestine, Past, Present and Future. Um, Ali is a teaching fellow at the Department of Politics and International Studies at SOAS, University of London. He holds, he holds his PhD from SOAS. Uh, the book uh, at hand, which is also the title of the talk today, was published by Rutledge in, uh, last year. Ali, it's important to uh, note also writes and comments about contemporary politics in the Middle East and Europe in uh, various media outlets, and you could uh, easily uh, run into him when you watch the global news. Ali, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, thank you, Professor Yako. And it's a privilege to be here in Oxford. Uh, the topic is Iran and Palestine is a topic. Why did I write this book and why we are teaching it now? It's because there was nothing written in English or Arabic or Hebrew or Farsi on the concept of Iran and Palestine. Uh, the Palestinian concept always lies within the, uh, within the Arab-Israeli conflict. And since 1979, we hear a lot of news about Iran and Palestinians and Israel. Uh, well, what is the reason a Persian Shia state majority supports Palestinians, Arab and Sunni? And Iran and Israel don't have even a border, they don't share <coughs> border, and historically uh, uh, good relations. So the, to the, the, the topic of discussion here is not about Iran and Israel because uh, other colleagues actually covered it. Uh, Professor Yaakov also kindly mentioned, but it's mainly and merely looking to the history of Iran's relations with, with Palestine. Uh, we start, that started with, uh, oh, is it moving it? You're moving only on your screen. <laughs> okay, it's yeah? not showing the other slides that I'm trying yes. to do. Let's try again. Uh, Let me. Thank you. So it starts. Okay. It goes back before <coughs> we talk about Iran and Palestine. One thing is important: that the Iran and Israel, since the creation of State of Israel, had cordial relations between the Pahlavi's uh, government and Israel. Uh, regardless, to mention that Iran is the only country still in the Middle East that actually house and the country and the homeland for thousands of Jewish communities as we speak. So, but the relations between Iranians and Palestinian cause started from the very beginning. And it goes to two camps. One of them is Iranian lefts, that's why I talk about this. And then we go to the Iranian Islamists. Iranian leftists, 1960s and 70s. Uh, categorized with the Iranian Fadais, MKO, Mujahideen, Tudeh Party, Group of Palestine, and National Front. 
1960s and 70s, it was the era of guerrilla movements in the, in the developing countries. It's not only in Iran. So we had it in Cuba, Algeria, and Latin America, and more importantly, in, in the Palestinian territories. And under the leadership of PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organizations. The Iranian leftist <coughs> anti-Shah oppositions were quite motivated by the concept of third worldism against imperialism. It was in the 1960s that Fadais established good relations with, with the Palestinians. It was the concept of Palestine for the first time started to go into the leaflets of the Iranian leftist movements. As if they see it as they are fighting together in the same front line. Having the Shah of uh, Shah's government, good relations with Israel and United States, the leftist movements believed that there is a front line and in one side is the Palestinian Liberation Organization and the Iranian leftists and the other side is the Shah's government and Israel and the United States which they labeled as imperialism. The history of it in chapter one I discuss it um, in, in depth for example when for the first time in uh, uh, 1967 two prominent members of Fadais um, nicknamed, well, I mean, they were Ashtiani and Safai Farahani, they nicknamed as Abu Abbas and Abu Mas'ud, escaped to Iraq through the borders. They were arrested by the Iraqi uh, government at that time, tortured for a month, but they managed to contact PLO, their comrades, and the PLO came to save them. And then they take them to, to, to Syria and to train them. It was also other guys that uh, call Iraq Sepehri, that he was nicknamed Abu Said al-Irani, and he also joined PLO. <coughs> he crossed the border from Iran, went to Iraq, and actually he crossed Iraqi border um, through day and night, just hiding during the days and going during the nights, go to Syria and join the PLO camps, and he was trained. And actually he was fighting in Golan Heights with, with the Palestinians. MKO, the Mujahideen, which now you may hear them um, uh, as opposition to the, to the Islamic Republic. Also, they created a contact with the Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLO, in 1970 in Dubai, when they tried to reach the PLO office. And the high point, the point was <coughs> 1970, when some of the members of MKO, Mujahideen, hijacked a plane from Dubai Planes supposed to deport them back to Iran, but they hijacked it and the uh, plane landed in Baghdad. They contacted PLO, PLO picked them up, and then training and connections between PLO and Mujahideen Khal, or the People's Mujahideen's Party. Many of those people were trained by PLO. Later on, if you are interested in Iranian politics, they were uh, killed during the Siakal. Uh, uh, forest movement in 1971 and, and later on by the Shah's government. In other words, the Shah's government also put it in the newspapers in Iran and called them the agents of PLO. 
the agents of Arab imperialism against the Persian Empire and against the newly born state of Israel. So it was the propaganda discussion and tit for tat between the Iranian leftists, which they put themselves as the freedom fighters supporting anti-Zionism, anti-imperialism movements, and the Shah's government on the other side called them the agents of Yasser Arafat, agents of Jamal Abdel Nasser, agents of Arab nationalism on the other side. Uh, so, oh, I hope I can move that. So this continuation of the relations between two sides also... Uh, what did you do last time? Does it? It was Jebhe Meli, the liberation, the national liberation, which was not part of the leftist as such, but also they created a newsletter, I will get, show you later on, called the Bakhtar Emruz, Today's East, and they were actually printed by the Palestinian uh, PFLP, Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command in Lebanon in 1971, projecting the concept of Palestine and then smuggling it and then uh, bringing it in back to Iran, all these leaflets. There was another group in 1970, it's called the Group of Palestine. And the Group of Palestine was a very small group in Iran and they were, they were uh, very keen on supporting the Palestinians. The leader Shukralan Pagnajad, he was arrested when he wanted to cross the border to Iraq to join the PLO in 1970, and he was in jail to 1979, and after the revolution in Islamic Republic, later on he was executed by the Iranian uh, revolutionary government because of his anti-Khomeini also tendencies. The other one, before we get back to the concept of uh, uh, post-Islamic Republic, is CISNU, Confederation of Iranian Students National Union Abroad. These are the group of students in the United Kingdom and United States that actually created a group connected with the Palestinian students. And one of the th interesting things is connection was made in 1969. And there was one case study was quite interesting that uh, in March 1972, when the uh, Palestinian students were arrested, they wanted to be arrested, sorry, and they ran away to the, to the embassy of the Arab League in Munich in 1972, and the, uh, the German police were waiting outside to deport them. Iranian members of this Confederation of Iranian Student uh, Union uh, clandestinely entered the embassy, changed their clothes, and the Palestinians could come out, and then they stayed in when the police, uh, German police was waiting for them. They came out that they were not Palestinians, they were Iranians. So that kind of uh, connections that the Iranian leftists had with PLO, it had at least 20 years of history before the Iranian Revolution between all these parties. Islamists, before we get back to this, i explain this. Um, Islamists are coming back to even older. Their connections are more historical than Iranian leftists. It goes back to 1948 with Ayatollah Kashani, prominent Shia cleric, um, in 1948 declared a fatwa and condemned the creation of State of Israel, condemned the Shah's government, and also 
um, declared that all the Iranian uh, Shia Muslims should support the Palestinians. There was another organization called Islamic Fadais, Nawab al-Safawi, which he actually created a group for the Palestinians. He traveled to Jerusalem and he traveled to Egypt, connected with Muslim Brotherhood, and he was collecting donations to support the Palestinians. Yasser Arafat in 1979, when he came to Iran, I will get back to that point, he mentioned he was a student in Egypt when he met Nawab Safawi, and Nawab Safawi actually motivated him to create a Palestinian liberation organization. Um, others, if you, are, if you are into Iranian politics, such as Ayatollah Mutahari, was also from 1960s very active in supporting the Palestinian cause and having a proper donations, many times arrested, and these are all coming from a book. He actually delves into the to the documents from the Savak um, during the uh, during the Shah about the connections between the Iranian clerics. One of the also um, elements within it was Ali Shariati. Ali Shariati, an Islamic thinker, but not a cleric. And he created a line in his speech and his writings between Zionism, imperialism, colonialism, and he denounced it, actually seeing it as anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, from his point of view, the state of Israel, and also anti-suppressed. So from Ali Shariati's point of view, <coughs> Israel meant the state of Zionism and also goes in the line of imperialism. The other person was Jalal al-Ahmad, the Westification. He was writing against the Westification or Westernization of Iran, and he used to be Marxist communist, but joined with the more Islamic-oriented thinkers. He also created the line between that he actually put uh, Israel in the line with imperialism. <coughs> All these elements, but they didn't have actually coordinated work with the Iranian leftists separately. From the Islamic point of view, they did see Palestine as an Islamic cause, which because of the Jerusalem and because of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and also because of the concept of Israel against the Palestinian Muslims. From the Iranian leftists, it was not religious, but it was more about the concept of liberation and about fighting against United States imperialism and Zionism and all these um, utopian notions that they put it in their own uh, concept of, of uh, manifestos. But all this, as we know, uh, as, so I don't want to make a mistake again. Uh, so those organizations, we keep it as it is, but next one. So the revolution happened. The Islamists, Ayatollah Khomeini, actually started supporting the Palestinian cause and be very vocal against Israel in 1960, uh, 1962, 1963, when he talked about Palestine and Israel. And um, according to Professor Hamid Dabashi, Khomeini was more actually talking about Palestine and Israel in 1960s than talking about Iran or talking about the Iranian uh, the notion of Iran. It was not actually in the beginning talking against the removal of the Shah. It was mainly critical about the connections that the, the Shah had with US and with Israel. 
So the revolution was successful. The Shah's government wa was removed and revolutions came to power. And of course, in the beginning, it was not merely Islamic. So it was a uh, uh, connection. It was a kind of a coalition of all the forces I mentioned. But what did it mean for the Palestinians? Mm. 24 hours after the revolution, the first person to enter Iran was Yasser Arafat. Yasser Arafat, uh, that I, so you can see this is the 24, hour, 24 hours after the Iranian revolution, he came to Tehran, that is Ayatollah Talagani. And uh, the, the story of it, how he came to Iran is also interesting. In chapter 2, I explained that his plane was nearly getting shot down because the Iranian Air Force didn't know that uh, uh, he's on the plane. <coughs> but he insisted when he went there, he was actually showing off this uh, Arabic scarf, uh, which is a Palestinian trying to show it to the Iranian fighter jets. This is according to his memoir, as Arafat memoir, that this is Arafat on the plane. So he managed to land in Tehran, and he was received as a hero. He met with all the revolutionaries, including Ayatollah Talagani. You can see he gave him a um, Klashnikov as a gift. And also Khomeini. We can't see other slides? <coughs> because there are a lot of uh, interesting slides that I would I'll try again, I but show. Leaflet comes from the Palestinian uh, leftist Marxist uh, about Iran, Tahiyaman al Thawar al Palestinian al Thawar Iran, which in Arabic means the, 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 the uh, greeting to the Iranian revolutionaries. That was actually before the Iranian revolution by the Marxists. This is uh, Arafat when he arrived in Iran, is visiting. Masur Rajavi from the MKO, uh, and then you can see Urdugan Galaba Palestinian. So he says, We are still seeing ourselves, uh, Rajavi, as the students of the revolutionary PLO. Um, which one is I, want, I don't want to make a mistake <laughs> again. I'm very cautious. This is, the, yes, this is the newspaper that actually was uh, published in 1970, 71, by the, and it explains about. Piruz Bader Galaba Palestine in 1970, actually. That's my victory to the Palestinian revolution. This is well before the revolution. Down and Down. Yep. Okay. Also, is a, this is again mentioned that is a, before the revolution, I want to show you. This is a, again the same newspaper in 1970. This is Palestina Thora newspaper, but by PLO in 19, also 71, that in Arabic explains about, it talks about. Uh, uh, <laughs> connections with, with the Iranian revolutionaries and this one is about the Marxist Iranians that he put it in his uh, in his uh, uh, memoir about his connections with Palestine these two uh, photos that I tried to put it as a cover of the book but the, the publisher said no <laughs> for some reason anyway maybe <laughs> other things um, I don't know is it because of the kissing or because of what but the point is, this is first day that Arafat arrived in Tehran, visited Khomeini, and Khomeini received him as, as a hero. He was actually received by all the Iranian revolutionaries, Islamists and leftists, as a hero. And he was the first person to arrive. Rafsanjani with, uh, with, uh, with Arafat, and also with the uh, temporary government of Iran, but Bazagan, it was, it was a kind of a nationwide carnival of Arafat when he came to Iran. Because, as I said, the connections between the Palestinians and, and Iranian revolutionaries has decades of history before the Iranian revolution. It was not something that just come up.
So it was a kind of a connection, reunion with uh, the Iranian anti-Shah forces. Symbolically, Arafat was given the key of the Israeli diplomatic mission in Tehran by, by uh, these guys, by, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at that side because I can't see it here. <laughs> so, sorry. diplomatic mission of the Israeli government, uh, not the embassy, but diplomatic mission was given to, to, the, um, to Arafat. According to Arafat, it was the first piece of, I'm just quoting, piece of Palestine was given was taken away from Israel, given to the Palestinians, not by the Arab nationalists, not by Jamal Abdel Nasser, not by Hafez al-Assad, but by Iranian revolutionaries. Uh, so the, if you travel to Tehran, you see the same building still is the, uh, the called Palestinian embassy and it's controlled by the PLO, not by Hamas and not by rest. So it was a very symbolic and uh, emotional gesture that he attended and also with the Iranian Communist Party, Tude Party, uh, Mujahideen, Fadais, and also Khomeini's son, to give him the key of the Israeli uh, diplomatic mission, remove the Israeli flag, and put the Palestinian flag. Khomeini also uh, declared the day of Jerusalem, the last day, uh, the Friday of Ramadan, as, as the, as the Ruzagot, Yom al-Ghots, uh, which he tried to Islamize the concept of the Palestinian conflict. This is very important because since then, 1948, 67, 56, 73 conflict, all was about Israeli-Arab conflict. What Khomeini was trying to do was bring it out of the concept of Arabized conflict and make it Islamized. Islamization of the Palestinian conflict goes beyond the Arab countries. Did you change? Sorry, I shouldn't touch it. What I suggest is if you want to read mm -hmm. off the screen. Oh, I don't need to read I'm just going to read it here. You can click and scroll down and select, and then you just need to. But the relations between Iran and Arafat, the honeymoon was very short lived. Yes, Khomeini tried to Islamize it. Ayatollah Khomeini tried to move it out from the concept of. Pan-Arabism to Pan-Islamism. <coughs> the Israeli <coughs> diplomatic mission was given to, to the Palestinian liberation um, movement. But there was something else that actually made this honeymoon to be short-lived. Two episodes of the hostage crisis in Iran and Iran-Iraq war. When the American embassy was stormed by the students, uh, at that point, Yasser Arafat immediately um, traveled to Iran and tried to mediate. And he contacted the American uh, uh, diplomatic missions through Arab mediators and tried to mediate between Khomeini's uh, uh, student uh, followers, uh, followers and Americans. <coughs> when he traveled to Iran, he was, uh, he's, it didn't go very well, didn't go down very well because from the Iranian revolutionary's point of view, American embassy meant imperialism, and PLO meant the fight against imperialism. And now the leader of PLO is coming to mediate between the revolutionaries and imperialists from their point of view. What happened is it didn't go down well, and Arafat later on uh, uh, backed away, and, and he said that actually 
uh, he didn't come to Iran to mediate. But in 1986, um, in another uh, interview, Yasser Arafat um, admitted that actually he went there for mediation. So, before we get back to this, Iran-Iraq war was another episode. When Saddam Hussein in 1980 invaded Iran, um, it was an opportunity for Saddam Hussein. Iran um, um, was challenging Saddam's Arab nationalism versus Islamic revolutionaries, but a lot of other elements that we are not gonna go there now, but it's about Saddam seized the opportunity to fight against Iran, Arab nationalism, Ba'athism against the Iranian Persian Shia Islamic. So whatever was, was the element that Saddam attacked Iran. For Yasser Arafat, it was, it, was a, it was a dark day, according to his memoir. And for him, Iran and the Ba'athist Arab nationalist Iraq fighting against each other meant that the front line against Israel will be weakened. So Yasser Arafat again immediately traveled to Iran and traveled to Baghdad and tried to mediate between Iran and Iraq. Uh, Iranian revolutionaries demanded him directly that he needs to denounce Saddam Hussein and needs to stand with Iran against Saddam Hussein. They expected him to do so because they had this kind of perception of anti-imperialism and they did see Saddam as part of that campaign. And, uh, but Yasser Arafat was in the corner, needs to decide either to be with Iran or to be with his own Arab brothers, which is actually because PLO is a secular Arab nationalist movement, inevitably siding with Iran would be a kind of a political suicide because Yasser Arafat needed Iraq more than needed Iran. And because of the negotiations are coming and going, at least he traveled to Iran back and forth to Iraq 12 times, tried to negotiate. And at the end, um, actually Ayatollah Khomeini refused to see him the one of the uh, meetings, Yasser Arafat returned to Iraq, and as you can see, hugging Saddam Hussein, and he denounced Iran, and the relations between Iran and PLO actually went down. So it was the end of the honeymoon between Iranian revolutionaries and Yasser Arafat, and Yasser Arafat directly supported Saddam. But what did it mean for the concept of Palestine? Did Iranian Islamic Republic change its relations? And be cordial with Israel and change his policies. No, it didn't happen. Because for them, the government is ideologue and the ideology of anti-Zionism, anti-imperialism, and against anti-Israel is embedded in the dictionary of this government in Iran, as I mentioned, because of the history that I gave you for three, four decades before the Iranian revolutionaries. This is a part of the concept of the uh, pan-Islamism of the regime. So this continued the correlations with, with, the, with Palestinians until Iran-Iraq war ended. Ayatollah Khomeini passed away and you have a con new concept in Palestinian territories. The emergence of the Islamic movements in Palestinian, within Palestinians. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is the first one and Hamas. So Dr. Fatih Shakaki was a Marxist communist Palestinian. He was living in Egypt uh, in exile, studying medicine, but he was amazed by the concept of Iranian revolutionary can could remove the Shah's government and also disillusioned with the pan-Arabism 
failure in 1967. He did write a book in the late 1979 about Khomeini and he praised the revolution and he changed the idea of, of, him, of his uh, political ideologies and he established something called Palestinian Islamic Jihad with a, gr a small group of um, ex-Marxist communist Palestinians. Um, Intifada, first Palestinian Intifada was done in 1987 when some groups of Palestinian Islamic Jihad were arrested by the Israeli government, uh, Israeli army, and few of them were um, uh, actually killed when they wanted to, uh, they tried to run away and created a kind of anger triggered a kind of uh, uh, demonstrations in Israel, Palestine. And in other words, the Intifada triggered and was actually um, was a moment in the Palestinian conflict. And PLO was surprised because mainly the conflict was triggered by not necessarily the followers of Yasser Arafat. So what does it mean the creation of Palestinian Islamic Jihad and the uh, Islamization of Palestinian movement? The other impact was the creation of Hamas. Hamas existed in Palestine, Israel, as a Muslim Brotherhood, as a Palestinian branch of Muslim Brotherhood. And in fact, in the beginning, didn't have a conflict with Israel. And it was pr uh, the movement that created social services in Gaza for the, for the ghettoized communities. But under the pressure by its younger members and seeing the Palestinian Islamic Jihad is actually uh, coming up with the concept of fighting against Israel, uh, the pressure from the younger generation galvanized the Palestinian Mus Muslim Brotherhood to create a new fo uh, uh, force called Hamas, Harakah Muqawman Islami fil Palestine, and then, of course, they attend, participated in Intifada immediately when they realized it is actually active. So it was a, it was a moment of the, of, the, of the entrance, the gate of Islamization of the Palestinian causes started. Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. But Palestinian Islamic Jihad, as I said, was more emotionally connected to the Iranian revolution than Hamas. Hamas is a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. So this continued. And many of the leaders of Hamas and Palestinian were arrested later on and sent to exile uh, by the Israeli government to South Lebanon. That was the point in 1989 and 1990 that uh, Fatih Shakaki and the Hamas leaders contacted the Iranian uh, authorities in South Lebanon and Hezbollah. So it was the moment, in fact, sending them into South Lebanon allowed them to have direct connection with the Iranian um, government and with Hezbollah, and of course, to, to create that kind of organic connections. For Iran, when they did see PLO sided with Saddam's regime and turn his back on Iran, but they uh, insisted of supporting the Palestinians, seeing two Palestinian Islamic movements was actually a kind of a new wedding day. It was a time that they found their own organic allies. So, in fact, they tried to sideline and marginalize PLO at the same time to pressurize Israel, so the connection was cemented.
these photos are all selected not because these guys are good looking or not. It's because, for example, you can see uh, Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, separately meeting with the Iranian uh, leader. The concept of Palestine Israel in 1990, beginning the 1990s coincided with Madrid and Oslo Treaty between PLO and Israel. PLO recognized the state of Israel, and in other words, PLO is out of the front line and is not actually standing directly against Israel and, and, and recognize Israel. So for the Iranian government, that meant that they need to also create a counterbalance to that element, which was Tehran conference was the first conference 24 hours after the Madrid conference, inviting Palestinian Islamic Jihad, inviting Hamas, and inviting Marxist Palestinian PFLP. All together with Hezbollah, and they, and they created so-called axis of resistance. The resistance of those organ, uh, factions and the forces of Palestinians, they, they do not recognize Israel and they do not necessarily accept the legitimacy of state of Israel. So this continued and they became actually important allies. One of the reasons why Iran is so keen Iranian government on the Hamas and Palestinian Jihad, beside the concept of Israel, uh, Palestinian cause is the element of try to be the leader of the Islamic Ummah. And in order to do so, supporting Palestine opens the gate. Palestine as a, one of the most important causes for the Arab and the Sunni world. So in other words, introducing I Iran as not a sectarian system, but is supporting even non-sectarian, the Sunni Arab cause of Palestine. In other words, it opens the gate for expansion of hegemony and influence in the region. So, in other words, the cause of Palestine, Hamas and Palestinian Jihad, opened ideological gates, political and uh, political gates. Hegemony, expansion of influence, at the same time, <coughs> it serves its ideological, <coughs> ideological outlook. This continued the support for Hezbollah, Hamas, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Until the concept of Iran and Arab Spring, Syria, the honeymoon between all these organizations I mentioned to you, Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and the bridge between them and the platform Assad's Syria. Because all the organizations I mentioned, they have HQs in Damascus. And in other words, the connection between, between them and Iran was facilitated by, by, by Assad's regime. Therefore, they call it access of resistance within all these states. After the demise of Saddam Hussein and having a Shia-dominated uh, government in Baghdad actually cemented that kind of a connection between Iran, Palestinian Islamic movements, Hamas, and, uh, and, and also... Hezbollah and uh, Syria. But the concept of uprising in Syria in 2011, it was a big momentum for Iran and it was a litmus test. Iran, of course, could not see the country that facilitated that support with the, with the Palestinian and, and Hezbollah. And a state that supported Iran during Iran-Iraq war was the only country in the world that supported Iran to fall. So they supported Assad. But here, Hamas, 
as I mentioned, because of it has its own Muslim Brotherhood roots, supported anti-Assad forces. In other words, it was a hiccup in relations between them. Reminded many Iranians PLO when supported Saddam. And that time, Hamas is supporting anti-Assad forces. Um, interestingly, policy Islamic Jihad supported Iran and Hezbollah against Assad. But what did it mean for Iran? To cut the relations with Hamas? To downgrade it? Or to, or to how to see it? It didn't change its relations to Palestine. Again, another litmus test. PLO, it didn't change the relations within the concept of Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But it changed Iran's relation with PLO. But with Hamas, Iran tried not to criticize Hamas, but emphasize on the concept of access of resistance and support for the Palestinians. This continued until 2000, uh, but there were, there were two wars during that time. Gaza war, Israeli conflict with Gaza in 2012 and 2014. And again, it was a litmus test for Iran. It was a mobilization, Iranian media, support for, 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 uh, for Hamas, support for Gaza, and Ismail Hani was invited to Iran. Again, regardless Hamas' uh, um, behavior towards Syria, Iran tried not to allow that to change the uh, relations between two sides. And Hamas, of course, is not a homogeneous party. It has different factions within it. So the only thing Iran did was downgraded relations with Khaled Mash'al, but continued the relations with the military wings of, of Hamas under the name of access of resistance. In other words, what brings Israel, uh, Iran and Syria, a secular pan-Arab Ba'athist regime of Assad and Islamic Republic of Iran, would be the concept of fighting against state of Israel rather than having a connection, ideological connection. Mm -hmm. And as a platform, between Iran and the Palestinian movement and Hezbollah. Therefore, Iran tried to, implement, to, to amplify the reasoning to the Palestinians and to the Lebanese that these are the reasons for supporting Assad. But how about within the concept of Iran? Within the concept of Islamic Republic, when I say Iran, I'm talking about the Islamic Republic. We have reformers and we have Conservatives, they have a lot of differences in concept of international relations, in concept of the use of language. But these two photos are selected. This is Jawad Zarif, 1976, before the revolution in the United States. Behind him, long live Palestine. Jawad Zarif is, is, is actually calling himself a reformer and fighting against a conservative orthodox in, in the Iranian government. Down there is Khatami and Yasser Arafat. The relations of Iranian reformers and the Palestinian mobilizations, mobiliz uh, mobilizing forces are as deep and historic as those Iranian conservatives. They do have unwritten consensus when it comes to Israel and Palestine. They do have a lot of disagreements when it comes to the internal politics, dealing with the JCPOA, dealing with the United Kingdom, Europe, and so on and so forth. But when it comes to Israel and Palestine, they do not have that much differences. They only use different language and vocabs. But, maybe Ahmadinejad uses a harsher vocab, but both they have these connections with, with, the, with the Palestinian cause. 
as you can see. So therefore, for the Iranian revolutionaries, the, whomever subscribed him, him, himself or herself to the, to the Islamic Republic, <coughs> the concept of Palestine is not about the land. For them, it's not about Israel versus Arabs, Israel versus Palestinians. They see this as a concept, as a concept of Palestinian cause. This is a cause rather than to be a political concept per se. So as I come back again to the, the importance of Palestine, this is the end of um, my discussion, <coughs> how they try to utilize it is Palestinian cause serves Iranian national interest. Iranian, I mean, Islamic Republic's national interest. Allows Iran to have connections with the Islamic world. Allows Iran to open the gates to the Sunni world. Allows Iran to, to counterbalance the propaganda they have in the Arab countries against Persians or against Iran or against Shias or whatever is there. And as you can see the photos, this Afghanistan and Iraq and the rest, in, in other words, allows Iran to, to exercise its, its hegemony. And it sees itself as a legitimate leader of the Islamic Ummah because of the, the history that I gave you now. And also is, is also a, a competition with Saudi Arabia because it doesn't see Saudi Arabia as a country, for example, to stand for the Palestinian cause. So therefore, tries to emphasize on it. Yes, it's 40 years is gone from the revolution, 70 years from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, or even more. But for them, it's not going to get expired, because it's the part of the DNA of this state. How about the other communities in Iran? As I mentioned, Iranian Jewish communities. What the Iranian state tried to do during those years is to not to alienate the Iranian Jewish community at the same time. So they see this as, as uh, you can see uh, the rabbis and the, this is the Iranian uh, uh, Jewish community. In Farsi says, we condemn uh, inhuman uh, behavior of the, uh, of the Zionist government. And also this is the uh, ceremony of the, of the Jewish martyrs and uh, uh, the speaker of the parliament with the, with the chief rabbis and all the rest of it. In other words, they try to create an umbrella that brings all the Iranians in the concept of fighting the concept of Zionism. So in their dictionary and in their propaganda, they don't use the language of anti-Semitism, anti-Judaism from their point of view. They try to create a line in order not to alienate the Jewish community as well. So in the Gaza War 2012 and 2014, Iranian Jewish communities, which uh, they actually designated two hospitals in Iran, and they received the Palestinian um, injured and also sent um, uh, supports and donated many Iranian Jewish uh, medical doctors. But can we say the pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli uh, tendency is within everybody in Iran. The book is not claiming that. So he says, yes, it's part of the Islamic Republic, and those are subscribed to the Islamic Republic, and many of the, uh, the uh, regardless reformers are conservatives. 
But when it comes back to first, how Palestinians see Iran. This is a billboard in Gaza, in Hebrew, in uh, Farsi, in Arabic, all says, thank you to Iran. For Palestinians also are divided. Some see Iran as expanding the hegemony because especially those Palestinians that, they, uh, that are actually subscribed to the pan-Arabism and Arab nationalism. But for some Palestinians, any support, or we say every little help in Tesco. So you can say this every little help comes and they, they receive it. They accept it. They, they actually greet that support. So you can see the Palestinians specifically in Gaza, but in Iran, as a child with it. The concept of Palestine when it comes to Iran, you see the emphasis is on Al-Aqsa Mosque, on Jerusalem, the Dome of the Rock, rather than Palestine as a, as a land, uh, unlike the Arab states. So it's a concept of seeing it as has been occupied by the imperialism, Zionism, and so on and so forth. But again, within the Iranian nation, we do have other voices. We do have other voices according to the, the ideology. Those are not subscribed to the Islamic Republic's ideologies, and those are not subscribed to the leftist uh, uh, ideologies. Uh, they see this as, in the book even explains, they see this as, has nothing to do with the Iranians, some say, or uh, uh, is, is kind of being more Palestinian than Palestinians, or let the Arab states to deal with it, because Iran actually faced four decades of sanctions because of the vocabs against Israel, and has been punished severely because of that. So uh, there are elements that are having a different voices about the concept of Palestine. They do not see the Palestinian-Israeli, uh, uh, they do not actually denounce Palestine but they see it as not actually very relevant to day-to-day -day life in Iran, which is the other voice that some Iranians actually criticize the Iranian government for being so pro-Palestinian and so anti-Israeli. But as I mentioned, um, stripping the Iranian, uh, the last word of the book, or my, my speech is stripping uh, Iranian uh, Repu Islamic Republic and divorcing it from the Palestinian cause is literally not possible because it's a part of its DNA. It's part of its DNA that is actually chromosomes that introduces itself. It cannot, this regime, to be uh, 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 passive about this and it cannot simply change its course and have a U-turn and relations with Israel. So, but how it goes, as I said, it depends on the ideologies of whomever continues to be. As Iran had cordial relations with Israel during the Pahlavi's state has not a good relations or at least I say um, uh, animosity with the state of Israel after that based on the ideologies they do have and those revolutionaries that I and I explained here but there are many other things that the uh, book explains much more well thank you thank you so much